Welcome to Lombardi's Legends Podcast. This is Dane. I'm here with Wags. Wags, the draft has come and gone. I think today is a great opportunity for us to talk about the Packers selections and see how we think that they will fit with the team for the 2019 season and, heck, even beyond. Yeah, absolutely. Always an exciting day when we have a bunch of new additions to talk about on the Packers roster. And some I am a little bit more excited about than others. But uh, at the end of the day, we're going to have to see how this all plays out. And uh, we're not going to do any draft grades or anything today. Um, That's not really our style. You can check out all the articles online, uh, social media, make your predictions on that. I think really what uh, we'd like to focus on is big picture, right? So how is this going to impact our team short term? This season, um, what other moves could this be foretelling uh, for both this season and next season and beyond? Yeah, and Wags, let's just get started. I We had the 12th overall pick in the NFL draft, and we started to see quarterbacks get taken ahead of us. We started to see some rushers. A number of of guys that, not too many surprises, I didn't think. Maybe the order. We saw the tight end out of Iowa that a lot of people thought could go to Green Bay at 12. He ended up going uh, sooner than the Packers pick. So we ended up with Rashawn Gary uh, out of Michigan. And first impressions, Wags, what's your take on the Gary selection? Well, you're going to have to sell me a little bit on this one, Dane. I think I... Uh, was probably like a lot of other Packer fans out there and a little bit of skepticism. So here's the thing. I'm going to own it. Uh, In our pre-draft episodes, this was the one guy that I said I really didn't want to take at 12. So I can't sit here and pretend that uh, I wasn't looking for some other options at 12. Um, But just let, let me walk back a little bit. What was going through your mind? Because we had the Raiders take a Farrell at four, which was a little bit of a surprise, I think. And then the Giants pulled the trigger on quarterback at six. And all of a sudden, you're looking at, I mean, granted, um, uh, we had Devin White go go at five. So he was off the board. We didn't expect that he would slide down to 12 anyway. Mm -hmm. But we had a number of guys sitting there. Um, when the Jaguars came on the clock at seven, where you're just salivating saying, oh my goodness, is one of these guys going to fall? And almost in order, all of them get taken. Yeah, yeah. So um, so it wasn't like you know Ed Oliver or TJ Hawkinson were sitting there at 12 on the right. board. But what was going through your mind at that point when, when the uh, Raiders and Giants made those selections? Did you think one of those guys that we were really hoping would fall might actually get to us at 12? Yeah, I did. I, I really did. I, I was pretty warm on the, uh, the Hawkinson take. I thought that he, I, I think that he is a game changing type of talent in the right offense. And yeah, as, as it started to, to progress, I went, oh my goodness, it's going to happen. And then when I started seeing the guys go, particularly I thought Devin Bush going, that was the one that I thought, wow, we might actually have him land with us here at 12. And when he was taken... By the Steelers. Yeah, by the Steelers. They traded up and you kind of had a feeling, right? Mm -hmm. I think our buddy Ross even said as soon as the Steelers traded up to 10, they're just 
they're a linebacker team, right? They yeah. they take those guys. So so that that was off the board then. We had a couple of the top offensive linemen prospects sure. that were still on the board at 12. Uh, and the Packers chose to, to go in another direction. So circling back to your question, what's my reaction to Gary? Um, clearly, he wasn't the guy that I was hoping the Packers sure. would take. Um, that being said, I've had a few days to sleep on this day. <laughs> if we would have done a first round um, you know, discussion Thursday night, I would have been a little grumpier. Um, and uh, But at the same time, I, I get, I think, what the Packers were trying to do. Uh, they needed to... Uh, get more athletic, um, as particularly at the defensive end position. It sounds like they're going to try uh, Gary at outside linebacker mm -hmm. to start off with. That makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, this is a guy that's never dropped back into coverage. Um, and so now we're going to see if he can be healthy and productive in the NFL, which to be honest, he hasn't really proven that he can do at the college level. Mm -hmm. So there's reason to be skeptical. Uh, but uh, why don't you try to sell me on some of the things that I might have been missing out on? Okay, Wags, here it is. I think that the Packers, uh, particularly on defense, on offense, we know who the man is. It's Aaron Rodgers. On defense, I think this is a defense that is going to be built and is now built uh, on being a sum of all of its parts. I really like the Rashawn Gary draft pick. I thought that you know, if, if, listen, if we hadn't gone out and, and drafted or signed Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith, I'd be sitting here going, wow, so this is the one guy that, that we're holding all of our hopes on and we're kind of holding our breath uh, to be this next pass rushing demon that's going to hit the quarterback and be the guy. That's not who we're asking him to be. I think what we're asking him to be is a really nice complimentary piece to a couple guys we already have. So now we have Preston Smith. We have Zadarius uh, Smith. We have Reggie Gilbert. We have Kyler Fackrell. Now we have Rashad Gary. I think what we're seeing here is a Packers defense where you're going to have a ton of guys flying around. You don't know where they're going to be coming from. And I, th I, what I saw a theme from the draft, but particularly with this Rashawn Gary pick, was that we're going to see guys that can play different positions. We didn't pick somebody or a player in this draft, really, that was specialized. We went ahead and picked a bunch of guys that just play football and play football really well. So Rashawn Gary, yeah, maybe he wasn't the man in Michigan, but we're bringing him in here to not necessarily be the man again. He's going to be a team player. He's going to come in, and I wouldn't be shocked. I'll say it right now. I'm going to call my shot. He very well could be a double-digit sack guy in this league. And at 12, he should be, right? And I think that he can do that. He has the ability to do it. We're going to see him in a ton of different looks. I think we're going to see him with his hand in the dirt at times. I think we're going to see him up at times. Yeah, he's going to have to learn how to drop back a little bit, from, but from a pure pass-rushing role and mode, which I believe Petten will put him in the best possible position to succeed. I think that he has the ability. Uh, we've gotten younger. We've gotten faster on the defense. We went from dysfunctional to very functional on defense, potentially, in six months. And I think a lot of it has to do with the free agent signings, but also the addition of Rashawn, Jer uh, Rashawn Gary. Yeah, and I misspoke. I forgot, obviously, Jonah Williams 
uh, was pretty much consensus top offensive lineman on the board, got taken by the Bengals right before the Packers pick. I might have blacked out there uh, briefly during that stretch. So, uh, But in any event, um, yeah, it, it turned out in all of our discussions leading up to the draft, we were really hoping that there could be some guys in that group of you know, we certainly didn't expect all of these guys, obviously, but maybe one or two of the Devin White, Josh Allenson, TJ Hawkinson, Ed Oliver, Devin Bush, Jonah Williams, and they were all there on the board after, uh, aside from Devin White, uh, who we did expect to be probably a top five pick, if not a top seven pick. Uh, when when the Giants took Daniel Jones at six, you've got all those guys there. So all we need is one of those teams or two of those teams make a surprise selection. And all of a sudden, the board, I think, really breaks for the Packers. So not only could have they potentially gotten one of those other guys that maybe would have been a little bit more of a consensus, um, I don't want to say safer pick because I, those guys are clearly top-end talent, uh, but uh, certainly wouldn't have maybe gotten the immediate reaction from some of the experts and some of the, from some of the fan base that this, uh, that this uh, Rashawn Gary selection got. So I don't know if they had the option to trade down. Was that 12 pick as valuable at that point as we expected it to be? I'm not sure it was. It would be interesting because I was thinking the last couple of days, what if they could have traded it down instead of taking Gary, still gotten um, still gotten Savage in that same range by trading down instead of having trade back up? Would I be happier with the result? Hindsight's 2020, Dane. Um, so I don't know that you can definitely say that that would have been a better overall result. Uh, but to be quite honest with you, if we would have had something like Savage around that same 20 to 23 range by trading down, had extra draft capital by trading down, still had our 30 selection, and both of our fourth round picks, boy, I don't know. I, I It's hard to say. This Rashawn Gary kid better work out because uh, they they definitely expended some capital to make happen what they did. And uh, I, I can't help but think that things could have swung a little bit differently if just one or two of those guys, even if the Packers didn't want them, would have slid down to them at 12. Sure. Um, sure, I, I hear that. But I, I, I got to tell you, watching the Packers every game last year, I would have given a lot of money for Rashawn Gary on that defense last year at times. And that's how I look at it. I, I, I understand that. And I think that there's definitely an argument to be made. But I... I just, I go back to, we've got more athletic. He is an absolute freak. Now, I, I do I think that he's going to be a guy who's a medium talent? No, I think he's boomer bust. He is a boomer bust talent. He is a guy who either, um, you know, by week 10, people are going, Goody, wow, great pick. Or they're going, Goody, oh man, why did we do that? Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, I accept that, but... I, I'm optimistic uh, due to some of the, the measurables that he does have and um, just the, the overall makeup. He gives a flexibility uh, to this defense along with the Smiths where you don't know where these guys are going to be coming from. You don't know when they're going to be dropping back or when they're going to be coming at the quarterback. And I think that that adds to maybe the confusion and the scheme that this defense is going to have. Absolutely. And here's what I will say. Since there didn't seem to be a 
clear consensus, one of those five guys that I mentioned in that group dropped down. It seems to make sense if you're in that spot, if nobody's really looking to trade up and you're not getting a value by trading down, take a swing at the top athlete that's left on the board. And not just an athlete, but someone that has the tools to be a top five pick. It just makes me nervous when we take a guy that has, okay, let's be honest, he's got a torn labrum. So you've got that. Um, You've got a guy that some scouts said is a little bit of a one-trick pony as a pass rusher and didn't dominate at the college level. Uh, It's a concern. We've seen this story before, Dane. Uh, Packer fans... Fellow Packer fans, I'm not going to say the names. We've seen it multiple times. These D linemen that we take in the first round, how many times did it was like it was like the bane of Ted Thompson's existence. I just hope, for Goody's sake, that he doesn't have the same bane of existence taking D linemen in the first round that have a little bit of a question mark but a nice upside as an athletic profile. I really, really hope this works out, Dane. I just wish it would have come a little bit later in the first round and not as a top 15 pick. Um, but, and all that being said, uh, Mr. Rashawn Gary, I welcome you to the Packers. I've gotten that all off my chest. I Come in, work hard, young man. I'm going to fully support you. Prove me wrong. Prove all of us Prove wrong. wrong. Prove Rashawn. all of us wrong. I, I do agree with you, too. Um, we needed to update the speed, and um, we needed to clearly get more athletic. Uh, all over the defense. Speaking of speed, Wags, speaking of speed and athleticism. It's a good segue. What's your take on our second first round pick? We traded back, we traded up nine spots, and we took Darnell Savage Jr. safety out of Maryland. This kid can fly, can he? Four, three, six, forty, And not only that, he plays fast on the field. Uh, it's one thing to have good straight line speed or quickness, but he's got good instincts. It shows on video. He can close out and come up and hit. He breaks on the ball. Uh, He, you know, he's clearly a smart player. I I remember seeing him a few times um, in college uh, in some some of the games he played. I wasn't watching a lot of Maryland football, but he definitely was someone that you go, whoa, he sort of stood out. Um, and, and you sometimes you wonder when it's not a great program, is this just a guy that's on a bad defense? Mm-hmm. But no, he he was impressive on tape. Uh, he's a he's a football player. He, dare I say he reminds me a little bit. He's got some of that Ed Reed type attribute um, and that you know athletic uh, skill set, um, some of that ball hawking ability. I mean, if he's seventy percent of what Ed Reed is, yeah. we're gonna sign up for that all day, every day of the week. Um, and so I, I don't want I, I don't mean to just throw out these comps uh, and put extra pressure on a, a young kid like this, but uh, he has all of the tools. And uh, we've, got, we've got our uh, secondary group, I think, figure it out, don't we, Dan? Wags, yes, we do. We really, really, really do. I am so excited to watch him play alongside of Adrian Amos. I think that it's just going to be a pleasure to to see him. This kid flies around the ball. He's always around the ball. He if if you look at some of his quotes after being drafted by the Packers, 
He talks about how he just loves the game of football, which I love, right? He's one of those guys that just loves to play the game. And, um, you know, he's got that burst. You watch some of the highlights from him. He breaks on the ball, picks the ball off, takes it to the house. He plays, you're right, he plays incredibly fast, which I absolutely love. I expect him to be the starter day one playing free safety for the Packers. And the thing that I noticed about him, and it reminds me of our new signing, Adrian Amos, rarely out of position. So after a couple of years of us struggling at the safety position with guys maybe not being where they need to be, to now have uh, Amos on one end and then have Savage there and guys that you expect to be able to rely on, they're not going to be pointing fingers, it's going to make all the world a difference. And our defensive backs have gotten fast very quickly. And they've got some swagger in that unit now, mm -hmm. too. This Savage, he's a little bit like Jair. He's got a little bit of that swag that he's going to bring to the field. So I think this is a group that will gel very quickly. Um, you know, I'm not super high uh, on, on Josh Jackson anymore at this point. Um, or I'm sorry. Um, Josh Jones. J Josh Jones. I apologize. Josh Jackson, the corner, um, second year. But um, Josh Jones, one thing I will say is I think this unlocks him a little bit. Uh, so he can be that hybrid guy, particularly when they're in a nickel defense. And that, I think, will play more to his strengths. Uh, he doesn't need to be in a position where he's got to be protecting the back half of the field. Just not something that was he was most suited for. So this might actually help uh, Jones so, so that he doesn't necessarily have to you know, pick up uh, everything that's going on in the backside of that defense. But at the same time, he can kind of just do what's more uh, natural to him, which is flow downhill and attack the line of scrimmage um, and disrupt uh, some of the plays coming across the middle. I think he could be our, primarily, our primary defender against some of the tight ends that we go up against. And I think Jones could actually... Uh, contribute a little bit more mm -hmm. as a result of picking up Savage, um, especially given that we know how much Patton likes to have extra DBs out on the field. Mm -hmm. uh, he prefers to play the pass um, a little bit more than the run, which makes sense uh, statistically. And, and when you look at the advanced metrics, that's the best way to you know have a top defense in today's NFL. So uh, I think this could um, really cause uh, the, the, the whole unit to complement each other really well. So that's exciting to see too, uh, because this is a kid that I don't want to give up on. I, he, we, we drafted him pretty early a few years ago, and he hasn't done much, but maybe this is something that uh, will help him slide into a position. A little bit of that like Micah Hyde role, mm -hmm. uh, certainly not as good, but sort of a poor man's uh, Charles Woodson, um, where he's playing that type of position. I, I don't expect that type of production, obviously, but that could be some of the, the role that we see, and, and that could really bring this unit together um, and push this team into having, you know, dare I say, even a top 10 defense next season. Wags, as we, as we transition down to some of the other picks uh, that, that we took over this past few, few days, I have to read this quote from, from, uh, from Savage that he had on a conference call. And I'm quoting him now. This is the Green Bay Packers news, very likely starting free safety. Quote, I'm fast. I like to hit. 
I like to be around the ball. I like to make plays. I just love to play the game of football. The game of football is fun to me. Anytime I'm out there playing, I'm going to give it my all and just enjoy it. That's your new starting safety. I love it. I love it. Um, just real quickly, any reaction? Did you feel the Packers got good value by trading up? They, they gave up two fourth-round picks, but they didn't have to give up either their second or third-round pick. Lost uh, maybe a couple of swings in the fourth round, but uh, you know I think when we look at the draft overall, uh, I think it's, you have to say things worked out pretty well. Any thoughts? I mean, it's clearly we're both high on Savage, but uh, was the capital worth it, do you think, to move up nine spots? I thought so. I, we, we have had a, such a problem with the safety position in the, the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, definitely different players, but we sure have missed Nick Collins for a very long time. And if you would tell me right now that we could we could move up nine spots and get rid of a couple fourths, but we would get a Nick Collins-like impact on the defense, I would say take our fourth rounders, please. So I think that this is a guy that the Packers really liked. Goody was asked about that, and he responded that he knew for a fact that Savage would not be there at 30. And you're right, they didn't give up a second. They didn't have to give up a third. One of those fourths was an extra pick that we received for HaHa Clinton Dix. So overall, yeah, you'd like to keep fourth round picks. We've gotten some value in the past. Excuse me, Bakhtiari was a fourth rounder back in the day. Um, But all of that said, if they think Savage is the guy and they think that he's somebody that's going to fit this defense and do the things that we need him to do and really shore up that defensive backfield, then I'm all for it. Yeah, and how much faster did we get going from ha-ha Clinton Dix to Savage? I think ha-ha, you know, exciting player to watch. I always enjoyed ha-ha, but I think he had a, a four five eight uh, at, at uh, 40 at the Combine. I don't know that he even played that fast anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't necessarily have the instincts either. So when you combine... I'm not going to pile on haha, but when you combine a little bit of a lack of instincts and not the fastest guy, and you're going to someone now with legit, you know, sub 4-4 speed with instincts and ball hawking ability, my goodness, that could make a huge impact on this team from day one. Yeah, and I think that we're going to see him... They're setting him up to be a playmaker. Uh, Amos played a similar role in Chicago where that defense is phenomenal. And they had a scenario where, where Amos maybe wasn't the guy making the all the big splash plays. They have that other kid there in Chicago that gets all the a lot of the name recognition. But now what we're going to see is Amos is going to slot over here in Green Bay, just be a great teammate and do all, everything really well. But it's going to free somebody like Savage up then to hopefully have some pick sixes and some pass breakups and make some of those big splash plays. And that's why you draft a guy in the first round. Yep, absolutely. So why don't we uh, keep moving down here? Uh, Second round, I think a lot of uh, Packers fans, when that pick came on the board, we had some uh, big uh, receivers on the board. We had some other, um, you know, position groups that we could have been looking at uh, with that pick. And then the Packers did what we thought they might, which was they took an offensive lineman early. Um, so we've got we've got a new big guy to add to the group. Yeah. So, Dane, what are your thoughts? I got a lot of thoughts on this pick. A, this definitely shows, again, the philosophy the Packers have of a draft guys that have versatility. 
This is a guy who started at four different positions on the offensive line uh, in his career there out of Mississippi State. Uh, doing some reading on him. And we should mention his name, Elton Jenkins, oh, yeah, out of Mississippi you. State. I apologize. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so Elton Jenkins, we bring him in. He was kind of listed as a center. The Packers have already, I believe when they drafted him, said he was a guard. I expect him to play guard for the Packers, but he plays up and down the line. It, it kind of does a, a little bit of cover on a couple fronts. It gives us some backup potential uh, for Corey Lindsley, should something catastrophic happen, knock on wood, that will never happen. Uh, but also, I think that we have the opportunity to have a guy who's going to be a starting guard in this league for the Packers. I know we brought in Billy Turner, but you can never have enough offensive linemen that are healthy. And all of a sudden, you look at that Packer depth and you start to go, oh, we've got some offensive linemen here. We've got some guys that can that can play ball. So I'll tell you what, I was really excited about it. I I while a wide receiver would have been fine, Goody didn't take three guys at that position last year to just pull the plug after a year. And I think that particularly MVS and St. Brown both showed enough flashes last year that another year in the program, working with Aaron and working with the coaching staff, um, I think the skies could still potentially be the limit for one or both of them. So getting somebody like Elton Jenkins, yeah, it's not flashy, but anytime you have a big man up front that can let Aaron Rodgers do the things that he does best, which is throw the football, and he's not running for his life, it does everything to make this offense just a better uh, uh, better better for the offense, but also just better for the overall team. So, Wags, what were your impressions? Because this is a versatile athlete, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. He, he got a first-round grade from a number of different uh, draft experts. So uh, he um, finished off his career playing center, as you mentioned, but also played some guard and tackle. And uh, the Packers uh, definitely, I'm sure, value that versatility. They've been all of their moves that they've been making the last couple of seasons have been of that vein. Um, there is a, certainly a connection uh, with Luke Getze uh, being the offensive coordinator at Mississippi State. So we know that uh, he was quoted, he was really excited about this pick. Uh, I do think the Packers may have, with this, they needed to, I think, big picture, this is a really good pick. I think they were a little bit fortunate that Sternberger fell to them in the third round because there was some tight ends there. Irv Smith and, and Drew Sample went pretty much right after this pick was taken. And Sternberger may have been the guy they had circled as they brought him in for that pre-draft uh, interview. And um, uh, he was not necessarily projected to slide down into the third round. No. So uh, it worked out brilliantly. But if they wouldn't have been able to get a tight end in these first three rounds, I think that would have been a little bit of a disappointment. Um, not necessarily because we need someone to come in and contribute at that position from day one, but I want to get someone in the program that's uh, uh, going to develop and be ready to take over uh, when we do move on from Jimmy Graham. And clearly Mercedes Lewis uh, is not going to be in the long-term plans of the Packers either. So they needed to, despite what they said, they did need to make a pick uh, at a tight end uh, position, I think, fairly early uh, in these first three rounds to get someone that has a chance to be an impact player at that position in the next few seasons. And 
while I, I am all on board with this Jenkins kid, uh, it was pretty fortunate that they were able to get um, Sternberger later with that third round pick as well. I was ecstatic that we got Jay Sternberger. I'm so excited. When he came in for a pre-draft visit, that was kind of the cue. And we've talked about this certainly in past podcast that was a cue to us that hey the Packers may have interest in in this kid because the Packers are very good at bringing guys in that sometimes end up sticking with the team with the Packers so kind of looked at him a little bit more and I you know I think he still needs a little bit of work as an inline blocker uh, but he's a kid who who the Packers definitely think is still ascending and is actually just starting to really ascend they they called him in the uh, interview after the uh, after drafting him, they called him a late bloomer, which is very exciting. Uh, he's got really good hands. I think he has the ability to be a playmaker. His 40 time wasn't as strong as maybe people had hoped for in Indy, but that might be one of the reasons he came to us in Green Bay. Uh, but with that body size, he's 6'4", 251 pounds. I don't need that kid to run a 4'3", I'm fine with him running a 4'7", if he is good at using his body and giving Aaron Rodgers that big target that we're looking for. He doesn't need to be fast. Can he run guys over once he gets ahead of steam? That's right. Um, but going back, uh, I didn't mean to gloss over Jenkins. I think we said most everything, but I just want to look big picture too. Yeah. Because we've got a lot of guys on this offensive line group now. Um, and what does this mean for this season is, is interesting to me. Um, I do think that there's a chance that Bulaga might get you know, uh, moved off of this roster, depending on what these guys show. I don't think it's going to happen, but, you know, you don't um, bring in the guys that they did in the draft, in free agency, and not consider what that means for the future of the position group as a whole. And, I, and, and by the way, Cole Madison is a guard that they drafted, I think, in the fifth round last year. Um, certainly is no guarantee he will make the roster, but it will be interesting to see what happens in the OTAs, sure. in the mini camps uh, moving forward. See what these guys show, because there's going to be another round of free agency coming up now uh, since we're post-draft. Uh, are there some players that the Packers could target? Uh, if they uh, do decide to move on from Bulaga before this season uh, as a pre-June first cut, it would save them about $5 million in cap space. Uh, right now, um, the Packers are at about $13 million in cap space. They'll need about 5 or $6 million to draft, uh, sign these draft picks. So if there's some, someone or somebody out there that could improve the team at another position, if these guys show... They might have plenty of depth and they can get younger uh, at this offensive line group as a whole, that that could be something that could happen. Now, I, I do fully expect that Bulaga will play out this year. And this definitely pretty much, I was, I was expecting that they would probably move on from Bulaga after this season. But this almost certainly solidifies that this is going to be the last season at most for Bulaga as a member of the Green Bay Packers. And listen, the guy's had a great career, uh, but uh, I, I still think he's going to retire either way after this season. Um, but uh, they needed to 
be proactive and get out ahead of this a year early. And this gives them a lot of flexibility and depth if they do have an injury, not only with Bulaga, but really at any position on this offensive line. Uh, this is a kid that could, uh, you know, knock on wood. If there's an injury at, at center, guard, or tackle, they're going to have the, the depth and the flexibility to jump in and, and hopefully not have... Uh, uh, any loss in production uh, when they do that. So I really, really like the pick both short-term and long-term, and it'll be interesting to see how this affects their, the makeup of their roster. Oh, that's good insight. And, and Wags, looking at some of the names that are already on our roster, I mean, we know, of course, of Bakhtiari and of Bulaga uh, and, and of Lindsley, but if you start to look at some of those interior linemen, we do have Cole Madison, as you touched upon, Justin McCray, uh, and, and Lucas Patrick and Lane Taylor and my gosh, there's going to be some camp battles this year. Are there not? I think uh, OTAs, but going into August, these guys, I mean, how many can we carry, right? We're going to have eight or nine spots most likely for the offensive line uh, going into the 53. And if you start, if you go Packer fans, you go to the roster right now and you start to look, including our now with our draft pick. Wow. There's going to be somebody that we've become familiar with uh, that are going to be on the bubble just by a numbers game alone. Yeah, and for what it's worth, I mentioned this before we started recording, Billy Turner is listed as a tackle slash guard on the Packers website. So there are other players that are listed as guard slash tackle. So they clearly view tackle as the primary position for Billy Turner, and they paid him like that, to be quite honest with you. So it's it's going to be interesting. You know, I I think some of those guys you mentioned, a Lucas Patrick and a, a McCray, they certainly still have a chance to develop. I, I don't think the Packers view them as long-term uh, answers at the position, nor long-term uh, fill-ins if there's a career, uh, or I'm not sorry, not a career, but a season-ending injury to one of these guys. But they can definitely plug in for a game or a two um, at a time and, and hopefully be productive to the point where they're not a detriment out on the field. So uh, we're, we're going to carry, I think, eight offensive linemen. And so there's going to be, as you said, some battles. I think there's a few guys that um, are going to be looking at this like, I don't know how I'm going to make the roster, but um, there may even be a couple of guys that that are able to uh, latch on somewhere else. Oh, that definitely. Have to let go of. So. Well, yeah, wow. I mean, Wags, think about it. We're talking about about uh, Patrick, and we're talking about McCray and some of those guys. Those guys have a lot of NFL playing time under their belts. I think a lot of teams around the NFL right now uh, all of a sudden became pretty envious of, of the offensive line position that the Packers are in. Awesome. So, Jay Sternberger, did you have anything else to say about him? I, I just thought one other thing I'll, I'll yeah, add please. is I just thought it was awesome, the, the um, uh, picture that the Packers uh, uh, social media put out with, with young Jace and a Brett Favre jersey. Yep. That's just awesome. I mean, uh, certainly that had nothing to do with them taking the pick, but uh, that's just awesome. You got a kid that was a, a Packers fan, a Favre fan when, it, when he was growing up, and, and now he gets to live out his dream and, and play for the Packers. Awesome. So uh, I, I just love that. Well, Wags, then, you know, we, we bypassed the fourth round. So we went from the 75th pick uh, 
uh, down to the 150th pick was the next time that we selected, and we took uh, a kid, Kingsley Kiki. He's a defensive lineman out of Texas A&M. What were your initial reactions when we went ahead and we took Kingsley? So I guess my initial reaction was, you know, uh, they're just going to keep uh, adding pieces to a strength on the team. I was a little bit surprised that they added another defensive lineman, but this is a big kid. Um, he's definitely, uh, again, uh, going to give you a little bit uh, of additional athleticism, 6'3", uh, 290. So um, he gives you some pop. He projected more to be out on the defensive end in that 3-4 group. He's definitely not going to be an edge guy. Um, so he'll be on that D-line uh, perhaps depending on how much pressure he's able to get, he might uh, be up the middle, uh, coming up the middle on, on pass down situations. Um, so uh, he gets some good, strong push, um, played for a, a good, good program, a good defense at Texas A&M. Um, so uh, he was a, he was a kid that I think the Packers looked at and, and anytime you get down into the fourth, fifth round, you're always going to take the best player available on the board. So I guess my thought is if if this wasn't necessarily, it clearly wasn't a position of need. So they obviously thought very highly of him and he had to have been the top player on their board uh, for him, for them to go ahead and pull the trigger on another defensive lineman uh, there in the fifth round. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, I really liked this. He's a kid who played all over that defensive line. Uh, he's a kid who, when they asked him to uh, move positions on the line, he actually lost weight, slimmed down. So he, another guy who we're, we're seeing a, a serious trend of kids that can play multiple positions are just, quote unquote, just football players and our, our team players because not everybody when they're having success in one area are willing to just completely uh, uproot what they're comfortable with and where they're having success to play a different position. That's what he did. So I really am excited about it. Um, now, uh, looking at some of the stuff that I've read on him uh, since, I, I was really excited. Roto World, um, the, one, of, one of the websites here, uh, said that he offers Malik Jackson level upside as an interior rusher. And it's not a stretch to say he'll compete from day one on the Packers' uh, interior defensive line. Now, that's a great projection. Yeah, he was uh, also projected as potentially even as high as a third or fourth round pick. Uh, one other thing that I'll say I like about him is that uh, in addition to dropping some of that weight, which uh, certainly may have helped to contribute to some improvement in production on the field his junior season, uh, he's trending up. Yeah. Uh, this is a young kid uh, that uh, certainly didn't make an immediate impact in his freshman or sophomore season, and he was able to improve his production uh, his uh, last season, uh, got his uh, tackles for a loss up, get more pressure on the quarterback, and uh, he, he improved his sack numbers as well. So uh, this is a guy that uh, was able to make plays uh, coming up, um, you know, having to beat guys uh, not off the edge necessarily. So he is someone that I think um, you can say he might have his best years ahead of him. And, and there's, there are some guys, as much as I was a little bit down on, uh, well, did can Gary show uh, more in the pros than he did at the college level? There are guys that legitimately uh, have 
their careers take off as soon as they get to the next level. And so hopefully Kiki is another guy that has that same uh, trajectory. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And and uh, podcast listeners, you all know, we love it when we take big men. <laughs> it's great. Those are the guys that win games a lot of times. Doesn't matter if it's peewee football all the way through the professional ranks. And um, I'm, I'm very curious to see Kingsley uh, Kiki's involvement because you know, now we've got a defensive line room, as you mentioned. Yeah, um, Mike Daniels and, and, um, and um, you know, some of the others here on the front, they can do a little bit of everything. Kenny Clark. Um, but Montrevious Adams has to be nervous right now because they took a pick a couple years ago. Now, now Kiki's definitely a different player. I think Kiki's not as much of a run stuffer. He's expected to be a much more of a pass rushing interior D lineman. That's where he um, is probably going to make his his um, hay in Green Bay. But we invested quite a bit on in Adams a couple years ago. He hasn't maybe gotten where we need him to be. So we uh, just like the offensive line position, we're going to see some real fights in camp for these guys because in this 3-4 defense that Petten runs, you'll have five, maybe six D linemen make the roster, but potentially as few as five. So when you take Kenny Clark and you take uh, Mike Daniels off the board, there's only a limited number of, of roster spots to go around. So uh, get excited going to camp in August because these guys, the pads are going to be cracking. Yeah, absolutely. But listen, uh, this isn't a, we're not going to be sentimental about I love all these guys, but uh, we've got to improve the team. And so I will say this, uh, Adams, I think, showed a little bit more towards the end of season last year. Uh, certainly ha had some injuries uh, coming in that may have hampered uh, his development a little bit. But I, I liked what I saw from him late in the season. Now he's going to have to build on that. What do you think this does for a potential return of Mo Wilkerson? Yeah, that's such a good question. And, and frankly, one I didn't think as much about until you just said it. If I still stand by, I think that if, if Mo is available, which he is right now, but if, if he's just not getting the deals he wants, but wants to come play on a sweetheart deal in Green Bay, I think the Packers would still like to have him for another one-year team-friendly deal. I think that he adds to it. I think that this is a team that is showing that they are going all in, win now mode, get Rodgers another ring, get another ring for the organization, and Mo Wilkerson would absolutely help them accomplish that goal. And I agree. It's a shame that Montrevious Adams isn't maybe in his second year. He's in his third year now, so you almost have to look at Montrevious Adams uh, similar to what you'd be looking at with Mo Wilkinson on a one-year deal because his development uh, clock is that window's closing a little bit and I yeah I agree we invested in him I, I would love for him to be someone that uh, develops into the player that we thought he could be mm -hmm. but the reality is he's coming into his third year in the league and he really hasn't shown a lot so uh, I would absolutely pull the trigger on bringing Mo Wilkerson back if we can do it on a team-friendly deal. And, and we know that he and Patton are tight. Uh, so if that's an option and the Packers can make the financials work, 
it's going to improve the team. And that's the bottom line. Um, I know how much you love your boy, uh, Tyler Lancaster. Sure um, and, and, you know, even a guy like Dean Lowry, who we talked about last time in our defensive line preview, these are guys that you'd love to keep on the team and, and can contribute. But if you can improve and get the best player available uh, to make this unit as strong as you possibly can, you're not going to uh, take their feelings into consideration. You, you've got to you've got to make the team as strong as you possibly can. So uh, that will be an interesting thing to keep watching, I think, as we move forward and get into this second free agency window. Totally, totally. And you know, after the uh, the the pick at 150, our next pick was at 185, and we went ahead and drafted another cornerback, uh, Kidar Holman, uh, out of Holy Toledo. And um, the thing that jumped out, I, I frankly, you know, I, I hadn't seen too much on him until we took him here with this draft pick. But what absolutely leaped off the page for me were a couple things. He was a three-year starter, which is great. That means that he, you know, played a lot of ball, and he started his career as a non-preferred walk-on. So this is not a kid that four years ago people thought was going to be an NFL football player. Um, but also... His 40-yard dash time was through the roof. I'm searching to find the exact number, but he is another fast cornerback, and the Packers just added to a room where it's the, the cornerback room's getting pretty crowded, isn't it, Wags? Yeah, absolutely. And he uh, is a kid I always like taking, especially in the secondary. I don't know why. Secondary and receiver, I have a soft spot for these uh, uh, small school guys. They're just scrappy. They yeah. love to play football. Um, he's got some decent size, six foot, got a, a good arm span, 31-inch arm span. Um, so, you know, he's he's got strong hands uh, to can kind of control um, some guys, especially, you know, at the college level, at the line of scrimmage. So we'll see. Hopefully that projects uh, well into um, the uh, pro level as we move forward. Uh, he certainly, as a six-round pick, is going to have to bring that scrappiness, that attitude, uh, and uh, work hard to make the roster. Uh, this is a guy that, you know, he might, he and Tony Brown might be getting into some fights yes. in the camp. Uh, they're probably going to be taking each other out a little bit because, uh, you know, hopefully he's someone that can compete uh, it's going to be a battle at this corner position group, too. Uh, we talked about D-line. We talked about offensive line. So that's the really exciting thing about this is we're going to have uh, – we've got some – good quality, depth, and, and talent at all of these position groups now that we're just going to, it's going to be a battle in yeah. camp. It's going to be fun. We're going to have to get up there as much as we can. Yeah, <laughs> we, we are. I mean, Wags, you said it right. I look at the roster and I go, okay, we've got Kevin King. Okay, we've got Josh Jackson. Okay, we've got Jair Alexander. Okay, we've got Tremont Williams. Those four are set. We're, those guys are locks to make the roster, in my opinion, at this point. So now, if what, we keep five, maybe six corners overall. Now we're talking about Tony Brown, who showed some real promise last year. We're talking about our rookie that came in here. We're going to, I promise you, have some undrafted free agents coming through. The, you know, Will Redmond was on the roster. And Terrell Jamerson was on the roster. So for this last spot, it's going to be, hey, who's showing a lot of promise, who can play special teams, and who just will battle day in and day out to make a very competitive Green Bay Packers 2019 roster. Yeah, and don't confuse 
lack of pedigree or um, that scholarship offer coming out, what does that mean? Look at Jimmy Leonard. Mm -hmm. Look what he did. You know, this is a kid that he's had to fight for everything he's had just to, you know, make it at the MAC level, and now he's got an opportunity to make an NFL roster. Mm -hmm. I mean, this he. He's going to be someone that will be, I think, fun to watch. I don't know if he'll make the team. It's certainly way too early to tell. But I love bringing in someone like this to throw into the mix. He led the MAC, I see here, with twelve pass breakups last season. Awesome. So he can, you know, he can make some plays. Uh, so this is, I, I like, you know, I definitely love uh, getting someone in the mix at this position, uh, and uh, and perhaps adds a little bit more swag to yes. this group. So um, I, I didn't know a lot about him as well, but uh, just based on his background alone, uh, where they took him makes a lot of sense and uh, will be uh, a player to watch, I think, in camp for sure. Wags, and then as we transitioned, we went from defense back to offense, and we thought the Packers could take a running back at some point in this draft, and we went ahead and did so uh, with the 194th pick. Dexter Williams out of Notre Dame is a Green Bay Packer. Wags, what were your first impressions with Dexter, um, Notre Dame, Big-time franchise. They play on NBC, so a lot of people have watched their games or at least pieces of them, even if you're not a fan of the Irish. Um, we've had some success with Notre Dame running backs in the past, have we not? Uh, Ryan Grant was actually, you asked what my first impression was. That was the first guy I thought of. It was we, All right, did we just draft Ryan Grant 2.0? Mm -hmm. I don't even know that he's a comp in terms of the same style of running back, but uh, Notre Dame guy. So uh, that's, that's the first connection you think of. Uh, he, uh, this is a kid that uh, probably fell a little bit. Running backs as a whole uh, certainly aren't as uh, valued as highly in the draft, uh, particularly or, or from a compensation standpoint as they used to be. Uh, but uh, he, you know, had some uh, off-field issues. But um, the Packers, uh, why not take a swing on a guy like that late in the sixth round? Mm -hmm. uh, they needed to add to this position group. And here's someone that brings some speed and size uh, to, to the group. Um, I, I would like to see uh, what he can do out of the backfield um, as a receiver. Um, so I think they're going to give him every opportunity to uh, make this roster. We need some depth. Um, I, you know, we fully expect Aaron Jones and uh, Williams to get the bulk of the carries uh, this season, but I don't want to rely on them to necessarily get 15 to 20 touches every game. Uh, if we have some games that are a little bit more out of hand, now we've got someone that can come in and perhaps close out the game in the fourth quarter, keep those other guys fresh. Um, if he needs to come in and step in uh, as kind of that primary ball handler for ball ball handler for a game or two, uh, I think he definitely has the skills and ability to do that. Averaged almost six yards a carry awesome. uh, for Notre Dame last season, so that's some good production. Uh, I know that's at the college level, but uh, th that that definitely shows what type of burst that he has. Uh, he can get into that second level and make guys miss, uh, make make some plays down the field. So uh, that that's that's the type of guy that we want to be bringing in uh, and adding depth to this position group. A uh, high upside potential, uh, very low uh, risk in terms of 
of what they invested in him to get this position taken. In the running back position in the NFL, this is what's so fun about it is, you know, we've got Jamal Williams, right? And and we have Aaron Jones. But would you be completely surprised if by the end of the year we see five foot eleven, two hundred and twelve pound Dexter Williams busting through tackles and, and just uh, making the one cut and taking one to the house for the Packers uh, in a game where we're trying to clinch a playoff spot? I wouldn't be. That's what's so exciting about this. This is a kid who, uh, looking at the scouting report, um, they say he's got awesome vision, has had no ball security issues, which, oh my gosh, I love that. And, um, you know, I, I just like that. And when when they, in Notre Dame, uh, Dexter Williams was always kind of a running back by committee. Some people look at that as a negative. I actually, what I think is great. This kid's got no wear and tear on his body, and he's going to be fresh and ready to go uh, coming into Green Bay for camp. So I agree with you, Wags. I think he was a really, really nice selection there. I had seen some projections where he could have gone much sooner than this. So great spot uh, to take a running back. Running backs in this these kind of later rounds have shown in, in the NFL in the past. So thought it was a really gutsy, really smart choice by Goody and his team to make this selection. Yeah, and if he was the best player, again, it was a position group that we needed to take uh, at least one player at some point. So it made sense to pull the trigger here with the second of their two six-round picks and I think get a guy that uh, could definitely make this roster. And and listen, we we need you need to have three three guys at least, if not four running backs that can contribute over the course of the season. The reality is, is the beating that they take, um, I would fully expect that if if Dexter can come in and have a strong camp and doesn't and has and can prove that he can be trusted uh, with with the ball in his hands and can be you know even um, somewhat project uh, uh, can be even somewhat um, uh, productive that uh, he's uh, certainly someone that I would expect to see contribute at some point this season. It's great. It's great. And uh, so we can, I, I anticipate also expect, you think we'll probably be bringing in other running backs uh, through free agency. Uh, you wouldn't be surprised by that, would you, Wags, to, to just kind of push these kids? We've got a few guys on the roster right now, but you got to think that we'll always be kind of churning that running back position. And it's such a demanding position that you're going to want to be able to take a look at a few of these guys. Yeah, I would definitely expect that probably late you know, probably shortly before camp, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in one of those veteran guys that's sort of on his last legs. I don't mean that in a negative light, but someone that can come in and just sort of be that insurance policy, um, give a little bit of competition in camp, and if they don't need them, they can just cut them uh, before they uh, move into the regular season. Mm -hmm. But if there's an injury, then you've got that insurance policy. Someone that um, won't cost much to bring in. So I would cert I agree. I, I they've got so much youth at this position. It would make sense to. I don't think it's a guarantee they do, but I think it would make sense that they find someone that they can bring in on the cheap uh, that has proven that he can play in this league. John Kuhn is back in Green Bay, <laughs> is he not? I know yeah. he's not playing right now, but we can always hope. Uh, I think if they made a call to John, uh, I think that uh, they could work something. <laughs> <laughs> Love him. Love Kuhn. Uh, so final selection of uh, the Green Bay Packers draft is at the 226th 
226th overall pick. It was a seventh round, and they went ahead and took Ty Summers. He's an inside linebacker out of TCU. At this point, Wags, in the seventh round, you can find some gems at times. You can find guys that maybe don't make the team. You might even be looking at a guy who could potentially um, make it through camp, go on a practice squad. So with Blake Martinez having one year left on his contract, what were your first impressions of the Ty Summers selection? I think that the Packers decided they needed to draft another inside linebacker. <laughs> um, I like Ty Summers, actually, but I, in all seriousness. But they did actually need to draft another inside linebacker. They are pretty thin at that position group. Uh, so, um, I, I, listen, TCU is a program that has churned out some, some very good uh, linebackers over the years. Uh, this is a, a kid that played quarterback in high school. So uh, we've got our emergency quarterback on the roster if he can make the team. Yeah, now the Cobb's gone. Right? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, he, he had some, some good, strong production. Uh, I think his uh, nickname was uh, Captain America. So <laughs> awesome. uh, anyway, so uh, just a tackle machine. He racked mm -hmm. up 121 tackles uh, last season or as a sophomore. So uh, he's he's been very productive and uh, someone that uh, I think comes in, like I said, from a strong program out of TCU and uh, Texas guy. So he, he's got a love playing football. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully he's someone that um, can make an impact. Uh, frankly, we need someone to, to pop out. Uh, Oren Burks, I'm hoping, can make that jump. But we need some, some competition at this group, too. This is probably pretty clearly the weakest position group on the defense going into camp unless they make some of the, uh, some other additions uh, on that uh, secondary free agency market here uh, so this perhaps I, I am not even looking to see who else might be out there that would be available but there could be some post june 1st cuts as well um, so i wouldn't be surprised to see a move made there perhaps as sort of a one-year stopgap at this position um, there just isn't a lot of depth. It makes me nervous uh, that Blake Martinez is the only proven commodity uh, that we're going to be running out there. But um, hopefully uh, uh, young Ty Summers can come in here, uh, be productive, and be someone that uh, uh, can make the roster and, and, and contribute. He's going to have to show on special teams. Um, and uh, I think that versatility uh, coming as a... Um, he came in out of high school uh, to TCU as a quarterback. Definitely someone that had um, some background as, as a skill position athlete. Uh, so I would expect that he would be able to contribute in multiple phases of the game as well. That's great. No, that's great. And, and you're right. And it was a good point on Oren Burks. And even if Oren Burks becomes a superstar uh, this year, they're just not the same position guys, right? I mean, Oren Burks is going to be more of your uh, pass-down coverage guy. Blake Martinez, when you look at the roster, it's Blake Martinez who is also a tackle machine. And then you got James Crawford, who made the team out of camp last year, played a ton of snaps on special teams, really showed well on special teams, but... I didn't see him play much on the on the set defensive front whatsoever. So maybe a Ty Summers comes in as just another guy who is a tackler, a guy who just is a sure tackler, isn't afraid to stick his nose in there. The team's trying to run the ball. You got Ty running downhill, just gonna make that sure, you know, that sure-armed tackle and and bring a guy down. So uh, I agree with you. And and you're Wags, you're right. There's no no one saying that. 
we don't go and we, we might bring in a couple um, free agents from the undrafted free agency. There could be guys uh, in camp that get cut at the middle linebacker spot. But uh, my gut tells me we're not probably done with the churn and the turnover of the middle linebacker position for the Packers. And we're probably going to see a couple more names added before we, we uh, the OTAs and before we go to camp. Yeah, absolutely. So real quickly, do you want to touch on some of the undrafted free agents that we brought in so far? Yeah, Wags, why don't you take the lead? Did anybody stick out for you right away? I was looking at um, uh, the there's there's a number of guys we've already been kind of linked to and the guys that we've signed. So I uh, any of the guys on the list right now that you go, oh, man, this this one is 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 noteworthy. Well, there's two, and I don't know that they're noteworthy um, any for any reason other than the positions they play. Um, the first is Randy Ramsey, uh, Edge. He was a guy that they bought in for a pre-draft interview. We talked a little bit about him in our pre-draft preview, and um, I just uh, uh, he was also you know again a very versatile guy, um, and um, he was. Um, uh, someone that the Packers clearly must have seen something they liked and were targeting targeting him very early on in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, so he brings um, um, some um, size and length. He's 6'4", a little bit on the lighter side. He's only 220. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Maybe he's someone that's that's kind of battling that Reggie Gilbert um, for a, a position on the roster. Um, so uh, just to mention is a name that we saw before the draft, and, and they, they went ahead and brought him right in. Another one I thought uh, we always got to pay a little attention to is these undrafted quarterbacks. Yes. So Manny yes. Wilkins out of Arizona State. And this is a kid that was pretty productive in his college career uh, as a passer. And so I thought that that was, he was very excited and announcing that he was coming to the team. Um, And I I think it's always interesting to see. Don't take it for granted that a quarterback is undrafted, that they may not be someone that you can keep an eye on and could potentially be battling for a spot on the roster. Um, so he comes in with some athleticism, um, 6'2", a little bit undersized uh, from a weight perspective, only 180 pounds, but uh, I think threw over 50 touchdowns against uh, just around 20 interceptions for his career at Arizona State. Um, and uh, uh, that's a, a kind of a high-octane passing offense. So uh, someone I think that probably comes in with some confidence as a passer, and that's something that um, I think that the that that group will be interesting to watch as well. Um, I I would be surprised to see them move on from someone like Deshaun Kaiser, but you just never know uh, when you have someone that what is his confidence level uh, like? If you get you bring in a kid like Manny Wilkins and he's just very confident as a passer and as a player, and he's making plays in camp. Uh, listen, uh, he might be someone that's worth uh, keeping around to develop, particularly uh, if he's someone that you can stash on the, the practice squad and he's giving you those scout looks uh, throughout the season. So uh, those were the two guys that kind of stood out to me. I don't know if there was anyone else. Well, I, I, I agree with you on the Manny uh, Wilkins uh, selection. Right now, you're right. We've got Deshaun Kaiser. We've also got Tim Boyle, who showed really well in camp last year. But man, I'll tell you, anytime you got a kid who who can play, be a three-year starter, 
uh, at a program like Arizona State is definitely somebody to pay attention to. Um, think it's uh, exciting to to be able to bring in quarterback, and it definitely goes to to show you that the Packers aren't done with that quarterback room. They like to look at quarterbacks all the time. Um, so you're right, a little undersized, but maybe a kid to pay attention to. And um, it's always nice to have another guy in camp. And, you know, like Tim Boyle, I mean, the Packers have not been shy about keeping kids or bringing kids in uh, that maybe weren't household names in the draft, but sticking. I mean, Boyle's been on the team last year, and there's a real chance that he'll be battling for another position this year. Um, the other position player that really uh, was noteworthy to me was uh, Curtis Bolton out of Oklahoma. And again, we're looking at inside linebackers. So we were just talking about Ty Summers. I want to flag Curtis Bolton, a kid uh, coming from a big-time program like Oklahoma. Uh, So anytime you have somebody coming from a program like that that has played some snaps there, uh, could be interesting um, that, uh, you know, we've already been uh, looking at him. And then also we've got a number of rookie minicamp invites. And I thought... Probably the most surprising, maybe not the most surprising, but one of the ones that was interesting to me uh, was uh, uh, Patrick Ebby. He's the uh, long snapper uh, out of uh, Columbia. And the reason I bring that up is uh, we did draft a long snapper last year. And uh, we saw, I thought, some inconsistency out of that long snapping position. Um, So bringing in a kid, even after drafting somebody last year, generally you don't want to spend too much time on your long snappers. But uh, Hunter Bradley, I thought last year, was never totally in sync with J.K. Scott and with Mason Crosby. It could be uh, argued, you know, maybe who was at fault at times with some of that. Um, but they just didn't have a good energy or a good vibe at times. And I think that's something they could improve on. But bringing in a kid for rookie camp, you may as well take a look. And I uh, w- wouldn't be totally shocked if they maybe bring in another long snapper to the roster and, and give it a look through camp. Yeah, and one other guy, just because of positional scarcity, yeah. maybe to keep an eye on early on is Davis Cobbenhaver, mm. a tight end that they uh, signed out of Duke. Uh, certainly, you know, is an undrafted free agent. wasn't someone that had, uh, you know, popped off the page statistically. But seven touchdowns yeah. uh, last season. Uh, went to Duke, and uh, not to give Duke too much credit, but probably a pretty smart kid. Um, so he, if he can block, <laughs> and uh, you know, perhaps. Um, then you know he'll battle. He he could battle for a spot if he can block and and uh, you know he picks up the offense quickly and and can do his job soundly and well. Uh, then it, it gives a little bit more competition. And then you've got someone like Mercedes Lewis or or Hakatanian who who we like, but is certainly no guarantee to make the roster moving forward. So uh, so I think uh, based on his position alone, um, he's got some some decent size as well, six four two forty. Um, so I'd like to see him add a little bit of, of strength and weight um, before we come into camp. So uh, we'll see what he can do. But uh, I, I think that would be another name to keep an eye on as well. And Wags, to your point, we talked when we were looking at the tight end group in one of our previous podcasts, um, you brought up a good point that we could take a tight end potentially early in the first round and then turn around and draft somebody in the sixth round or seventh round. So um, while we didn't take a tight end in the first round, we definitely landed uh, a talent to tight end in the third round. And maybe uh, uh, Davis uh, Coppenhaver 
uh, yeah, the stats don't necessarily always jump out at you, but guess what? Sometimes run blocking tight ends, that's what they do is they run block and then they make their bodies big around the goal line. So this might be the kind of kid that's an inline blocker that fits what the Packers are looking to do. Yeah, and how much younger would this group look if he beats out Mercedes Lewis? And that was that uh, positional turnover that we were sort of expecting. But um, Lewis now becomes sort of your de facto safety net uh, for, for this team going into next season. And uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, this could be uh, a, a pretty young group when it's all said and done. Perhaps Jimmy Graham's the only veteran that we have in this group mm -hmm. uh, if uh, Davis can come in and compete and, and make a, a spot on this roster as well. Well, I got to say, Wags, we've gotten, we've gotten much more athletic. We've got a lot of guys that are football players on this team now. And I'm really excited to start hearing reports of uh, out of OTAs and out of some of the workouts that'll be uh, happening here, hearing how the rookies are starting to gel. It's been fun to watch on social media, some of the veteran players embracing some of the rookies as they've been drafted. I loved Adrian Amos um, sending a message to Savage saying, let's get to work and, and Savage saying like, uh, you know, calling him his big bro already. And some of that, it's awesome. It's exciting to see it. Uh, Zadaria Smith has been really funny to follow on social media. And, um, it, it shows a personality to this defense. And also as you've touched on a couple times, just a swagger that maybe we haven't had. There's a confidence building in Green Bay. There sure is. And uh, based on what uh, uh, Coach Patton was able to do with the group, that he, uh, no offense to those guys, I know they're out there battling, but so injury depleted by the end of the year that they even finished as the ATT ranked defense last year. Uh, what we have coming into camp, and there's going to be injuries. Look, I, I don't want to jinx anyone, but there's going to be injuries. But, oh, my goodness, uh, even so, there this this defense, what he has to work with, uh, my goodness, there is some tools. And I think anything less than a top 10 defense this year will be a little bit of a disappointment. And guess what? Guess what that does for Mr. Rogers and the offense? We have a little bit of continuity. Granted, it's a new offense, a new scheme, new coaching staff, but uh, and we didn't make a lot of additions there. But these guys, they're going to know what to expect from each other, and, and so I really fully expect that they're going to be able to gel and uh, get on the same page from day one. Totally. Wags. It's exciting to be a Packer fan, is it not? The time is coming. It's starting to warm up finally after another late season snowstorm in Wisconsin. But I feel, I feel it. I can feel uh, the camp is upon us. The, uh, the shareholders meeting is upon us. We've got some really exciting things ahead. We've got exciting things planned for our podcast that we'll be announcing on social media uh, down the road here. So it's just been great. And I'm so glad that the draft. Um, it was fun to, to break down positions, but I'm also so glad it's over because now we know what we got. We've got some entities here and we know that now we're starting to get a real peek at what the Packers are going to look like in 2019. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Dane, I don't know if you have much else to add, but I would just uh, say thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all the feedback and interaction in this pre-draft process. I, I know not everyone is 
following the draft real really closely, but it was fun to dive into uh, the pre-draft process and, and, and really just try to get a feel for what the Packers might be doing because it has so many ramifications on both that short and long-term perspective. And, and that's, I think I'm not speaking for you, but I think we both agree. That's what we really like to talk about uh, is is how how this team is coming together and shaping up uh, for this season and beyond. So uh, stay tuned. I think uh, we're not necessarily going to – we don't have any immediate plans for another uh, episode here, but stay tuned and, and be on the lookout uh, for what we might have coming out in the near future. Um, and we'll certainly be keeping track of any uh, additional moves that the Packers make um, as we get close to that June 1st uh, period. We, we uh, I would expect to see some pickup uh, and uh, a move or two, uh, as well as uh, just uh, continuing to look at how things are looking in our OTAs and rookie mini camps and, and some of the things that we're hearing coming out of, uh, out of Green Bay during that time period as well. So uh, thanks so much for listening, and go Pack Go! Go! Go Pack Go! go.